Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, and we are here to talk about a 42-24 Green Bay Packers victory over the Oakland Raiders on Sunday at Lambeau Field. The Packers are 6-1, and one, maintaining a one-game lead in the NFC North over the 5-2 and two Minnesota Vikings. And Wes, 42 points on the board for the Packers offense. A lot of statistics look awfully pretty in this game but one statistic stands out above all others and it's the number 158.3 you know this is a great point mike <laughs> and the awesome thing about this if you flash back to friday's unscripted not i'm not trying to pat myself on the back but you're allowed you that's me, okay when you asked me key to victory i said aaron Rodgers. aaron <laughs> Rodgers was the key to victory yep because this is what's what's great about the nfl it goes both ways you can have letdowns you can have come-ups but here's the thing, man. Aaron Rodgers needed to be not necessarily perfect, but he needed to be exceptional in this game without Devontae Adams, especially dealing with what the Packers were dealing with. Now, fortunately for Green Bay, they were able to get Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they did have Geronimo Allison available after he passed the concussion protocol on Saturday. Right. But it was going to take this yeoman's effort across the board, guys stepping up, and Rodgers fed them. I mean, Mike, we talked about this. Eight different receivers catch passes. All of them at least two. Four different players catch touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers. Five, excuse me. Yeah, five, his five touchdown passes went to five different, five different players. players. Got so ahead of myself there. Uh, but they needed to be able to spread the ball around and match the Raiders score for score early on. They accomplished that. There was no let up. And I think this showed you over 60 minutes, over four quarters, what this offense was capable of, even when Devontae Adams is not available. Yeah, this was the second game in a row, actually, where eight different players caught at least two passes from Rodgers. A couple of other stats from this one. Six players with a pass reception of at least 20 yards. Actually, the first time since 1983 that wow. the Packers have accomplished that. Hmm. Five players, five different players with a touchdown pass. Rodgers got the sixth touchdown, rushing it in himself. 25 out of 31. That's six incompletions and five touchdown passes. That's a pretty good ratio. You'll take that any day of the, any week, day of the week, right? And he throws for 429 yards. It's his 10th career 400-yard passing game if you include playoffs. And really what stands out to me about that is that in Packers history, there are a bunch of different quarterbacks have had 400-yard passing games. Nobody's had more than one except for Rodgers, and now he's got 10, including two this year. So you want to see where this offense is going, where it's headed, the progress that has been made. We talked a lot, obviously, week one coming back from Chicago, playing that Bears defense. There was a lot to work on here, and this offense is just hitting its stride and what it's done these last three games without Devontae Adams, you have to say that can only bode well for the future, right? Absolutely. And seeing that these guys get tested and, and different guys rising to the occasion, you know, I, I you know, let's start with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Rogers pointed him out during his uh, you know, press conference afterwards. Some real questions midweek about whether MVS would be available for this game. I mean the knee injury, the ankle injury, a lot of things he was working through. He kind of comes around on Thursday, starts to feel a little bit better, and Rodgers even remarked to him, hey, you're pretty glad you played, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, how many plays do you think he played in that game, Mike? Off the top of your head, what do you, how many do you think he played? I'm going to guess maybe two dozen snaps. He played 20 snaps. 
two catches Even less than two for 133 wow. yards, the 59-yard yeah. shot play coming out of the break. Yep. MVS was talking about that after the game. He said that's something they've had. They haven't really had the right moment to make it. But the most critical juncture of the game, that big swing on the, the fumble by Derek Carr in the end zone, the Packers march down the field, score a touchdown, and then receiving the ball after the half, a real chance to put their foot on the throttle the big message this week from Matt LaFleur was all gas, no breaks. They do that, a perfectly designed shot play, allowing Rodgers to roll out all the time in the world to work with Danny Vitale in front of them to pick up any extra blockers. MVS comes open across the middle. I thought that was a critical moment in this game. And then, honestly, just 74 yards out of nowhere late to really seal it Yeah. Uh, on that touchdown pass to MVS. You get him the ball, even if he's dealing with lower body injuries like he was in this game. Still a lot of speed there and some breakaway talent. Yeah, well, you said it, Wes. The point where this game turned, it was late in the first half. The Packers are leading 14-10. to 10. The Raiders are driving. They're in a goal-to-go situation and looking like they're going to punch it in to go up 17-14, and the Packers would maybe have one more possession before halftime. But Derek Carr gets careless as he's scrambling out to his right, he tries to reach for the pylon when he doesn't really have a shot at it, quite frankly, and he puts the ball in his left hand. The ball squirts out. He's initially ruled out of bounds, but I think we all knew when we saw it that looks like a fumble, and it went inside the pylon, in and out of the end zone. The replay review confirms it's a touchback for the Packers, and instead of the Raiders taking a 17-14 lead, the Packers do the double up, get the touchdown yeah. at the end of the first half to Jake Kumaro, get the touchdown coming out of halftime that started with the big play to MVS. I referred to it in Insider Inbox as a 21-point swing. Yeah, Derek Carr, When Derek Carr lost that fumble, you're thinking the Raiders are going to take a 17-14 lead. And by the time Derek Carr got the ball back, he was down by 18 points. So it went yeah. from thinking he'd be up by three to down by 18 a 21-point swing, that's that's a lot for the Oakland Raiders to overcome, and they simply weren't able to overcome it, not the way Aaron Rodgers was commanding this offense. Exactly, and I think that was the biggest key here. The Packers did not blink. The offense did not blink. Five touchdowns in their first six possessions. Mind you, I did not say five scores in their first six yeah. possessions. Five touchdowns in their first six possessions. That's going to put you in the driver's seat. And it wasn't just big chunk yardage plays. It was opportunistic moments. It was being able to execute on third down. The Packers were 6 of 10 on third downs in this game. The Oakland Raiders were very good on third downs as well. But what was the biggest difference, Mike? And the biggest difference in every single one of these Raiders games so far this season, the Packers won the time of possession battle by a little bit. But more importantly, they got the takeaways when they needed them. Derek Carr was really good in this football game. I thought he had a masterful performance. There weren't any sacks. That wasn't necessarily because of Zadarius and Preston Smith. They had pressures. Derek Carr was able to climb the pocket appropriately and get the ball out during the times in which there was collapsing yes. you know, pressure. But he blinked twice. He blinked on fumbling the ball in the end zone near the end of the first half and then trying to force the pass to Waller late in the game. When he had a first down in the red zone. He didn't need to force that ball, and the Packers got the takeaway. And he also had Josh Jacobs available in the flat with no one around him for eight <laughs> yards. Yeah. But he wanted to try making a play. That's not a criticism on him. It's the fact of the matter they needed points. But with the Packers not blinking, Carr did. And that, you know, ultimately, for all the yardage, for all these other things you could factor in, 
that that's what made the difference in this ball game, and the Packers were able to execute. Yeah, the way I referred to it is, I, I thought Derek Carr played an outstanding game, except for two plays, two and you obviously delineated those two plays. But that just goes to show you how small the margins are in this league, because the way this game was going, it was back and forth, back and forth all throughout the afternoon. Those two plays, those two mistakes by Derek Carr were huge. And I'll also say this. I thought the Oakland offensive line played a whale of a football game in terms of controlling the trenches, except for two plays. Right. Third and goal and fourth and goal when they were trying to punch it in from the two and from the one with Josh Jacobs. The Packers' defensive front got the best of them at the goal line in that sequence, and that was another huge swing in this game. The Packers' defense... It had its issues during the day, don't get me wrong. They gave up a ton of yards, and and the Raiders certainly felt they were they were in the game pretty much all the way through. But when you throw away scoring opportunities in the red zone at the goal line and not only throwing them away, they weren't even just settling for the field goals, but they, they were turning the ball over. Yeah. There were the two turnovers plus the turnover on downs. Those stops that the Packers got uh, defensively were were all that they needed on a day when Aaron Rodgers was doing what he was doing. Yeah, there's one thing I really want to talk about here because I have not covered the team as long as you have, so I can't really give you the blow by blow of what the 2010 season was like and, and you know what the locker room was like. Even 2011 in some regard, when they gave up all those yards, but they were so opportunistic. Right. For my money, during my eight seasons full time on this beat now, the Green Bay Packers, the way this defense is played. It's the best situational defense they've had. And I'm counting 2014, I'm counting 2012, because the difference between this unit and some of the issues that they've had in the past is when a team would break an explosive, it kind of broke the Packers in some ways. Mm -hmm. That oftentimes led to six, seven points. They had a really hard time being able to rally back from an explosive game. This year's team does not have that issue. Rodgers made the joke in the post-game news conference about his conversation with Darnell Savage yeah. about, you know, if we could just get a stop outside of the red zone. But when they are in the red area, you look at it now, they've had, what, four or five takeaways in the red area this season? They have the fourth, you know, the goal line stand on a day in which Josh Jacobs had really been pushing and running really well. They got the stops when they needed them. Um, I, almost the second straight game with a goal line right? stand if they had gotten the call <laughs> against Detroit. Detroit. But, but, you know, and I was asking Blake Martinez about this afterwards, and it just it comes down to a mindset. It comes down to mentality. And more than anything else, I think it just comes down to the confidence of this unit. They can take punches. They roll with them. And at the end of the day, you can make up whatever stats you want. You can talk about total defense and number one defense and all these different things. But you have to have a defense that can win in January and February. I feel like this year's team can do that. Certainly there are things to clean up. The missed tackles, you know, you want to be able to generate more takeaways. You have to be better at the at the first level and getting down those premier backs like Jacobs. But points are points, Mike. And when you play well situationally, that's what enables you to keep them off the board and allow your team to win. Yeah, I think obviously the Packers defense is going to get back to work here with regard to the big plays. It's been the problem now, three straight weeks, the big explosive plays they've given up. As you said, the backbone of this defense is that they don't just cave when they give up a big play. They gave up the one to the Lions opening the game last week, held them to a field goal. They gave up another one and almost stopped them at the goal line. We saw them give up the big plays to the Raiders, but they got a couple of crucial stops in the fourth quarter down by the goal line. At the end of the day, they only gave up 24 points. The concern, I think, in a lot of ways is that 
in this Raiders game, we saw too many, whether it was the tight ends, receivers, too many guys simply running free in the right. secondary. The, the, some of the plays were way too easy. They weren't contested plays. You weren't just tipping your cap to the other guy saying, hey, that was a heck of a catch you know, against some good coverage. There were a couple of those, don't yeah. get me wrong. Kevin King had a couple, too, where he yeah. was right where he needed to be in cards. Yeah. Well, and, th and that's what I was going to say, too, is Kevin King gets the interception in the end zone that takes away the one scoring opportunity. The play right before that, he is in perfect coverage, and uh, Marcel Aitman just makes a great catch yeah. over the top of him. 36-yard gain, gets the Raiders down into the red zone. You talk about the whole short memory thing for a cornerback. Guy makes a play on him. It's like he, he knew he was in the right spot, just wasn't able to quite make the play on the ball. You tip your cap to the other guy. The next play, you come back. Adrian Amos gets the tip. Kevin King gets the pick in the end zone when Carr's trying to force it into Waller, his big tight end who had a huge game. That's the thing with this with this defense, Wes. Yes, they've got a lot of stuff to clean up. They don't want to be giving up those big plays. But they're starting to develop this, as you said, it's like a mentality. When the other team gets in close, no matter how they've gotten there, and whether it's a 10-play drive or a 3-play drive where the other team has marched down the field, when they get in close, they have a lot of confidence that they can get the stop yeah. somehow. Now, they're not going to get the stop every single time, but they got a couple of crucial ones on Sunday, and that was enough for the Packers to maintain the separation to ultimately put this one away. Yeah, and for the most part, I mean, you see the pieces starting to fall into place a little bit. I mean, they're still trying to figure out what they want to do at inside linebacker. B.J. Goodson played a little bit, Oren Burks played a little bit, but for the most part, a lot of these guys have their roles carved out. If you can get Darnell Savage back, I think that's a big catalyst for this defense right now because you know Will Redmond has done some really good things, but you still have Adrian Amos playing out of position a lot of the time. Yeah. You, know, you still had to mix and match a lot of this personnel. I think if you get Savage back and patrolling the center field like he has been, you know, with what they've worked through here the last few weeks, that's going to make them better in the long run. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, quickly before I forget, because yep. I do have a tendency to forget when we get talking, <laughs> but Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Yeah, I'm going to take control of this a little bit here because there Go are a couple it. more things about the offense I just wanted to touch on very sure. quickly here. absolutely. Um, Jimmy Graham, four catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. I mean, for as, as maligned as this has been and as much as people have beaten the narrative of him and where he's at in his career, I thought Graham, I, I asked Geronimo Allison about it afterwards, you know, the game that he had here, and he just said clutch. I mean, I think you have to tip your cap to him. Um <laughs> Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling playing through their injuries to give themselves the reps that they did. And on a short week on coming short off week. of a Monday night game, and they didn't have as much recovery time as you would normally have. And you want to talk about toughness. Geronimo Allison, one of his first catches in this ball game was almost a near-identical play to the one that he got lit up on a week ago that, that <laughs> That's led right. to his concussion. That's right. You know, being able to have a short memory in that regard, I, I thought, I mean, that said a lot about him as a player. But lastly, I just need to touch on very quickly Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. LaFleur, first off, I thought this was an exemplary game plan. They spaced out their snaps with their receivers. Alan Lazard was the leading receiver in terms of snap totals, 51. The second was Jake, Jake Kumaro. They were very selective and smart with how they used Allison and MVS. They didn't just run them out their 70 plays. They rotated. They adapted. The running backs became more of a focal point in this offense. Aaron Jones, something we have yet to talk about, had one of the most phenomenal catches you're ever going to see by a running back yeah, through coverage to get the offense up and running early on on a 21-yard touchdown pass in which he 
switched his head. I asked him about that play afterwards, and as cool as it looked, he said, I mean, you got to understand, Aaron Rodgers put that right in my breadbasket. <laughs> Out of all the throws Rodgers made, and he made 31 of them in this game, that might have been the most pretty, just yeah. in terms of the arrow that he had to drop that into. Yeah. Danny Vitale catches two passes out of the backfield, motioning frequently during this game. Matt LaFleur's game plan for this was terrific, and Aaron Rodgers' ability to get the ball out quickly with his offensive line, the time that they gave him in this game. That, that's the next point I was going to bring up because Rodgers, Rodgers was effusive, and rightly so, in his praise of the offensive line, calling it the best pocket he's had to work with all season long. You look at the, you look at the stats, Wes, and I know – Sacks sometimes they're not the tell-all stat because Rodgers can avoid pressure, throw the ball away. There, there are times that the sack is on the quarterback, not necessarily on the offensive line. But just looking at the raw numbers, the Chicago Bears had five sacks of Aaron Rodgers yeah. in Week One. In the six games since then, Aaron Rodgers has been sacked seven times. It's only twelve sacks now on the season after five sacks in Week One. This offensive line is playing really, really well and protecting him. And Rodgers, he always has plenty to say, obviously, about the bookends, Balaga and Bakhtiari. But he made a point of uh, talking about the interior three and just how stout they were yesterday against the Raiders in giving him the pocket to step up into, to make throws on time, to keep himself and the offense in rhythm. Talking about center Corey Lindsley. Um, and guards Billy Turner and Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins. Uh, the first name escaped me there for there's a second. There's a G with, in there. So yeah, there's tough. a G in Elton. That, wo- yeah. that always throws me off. Um, but those guys, um, it just seems like a unit, and you knock on wood from a health standpoint, obviously, but it just seems as a unit that it's a group that just keeps getting better and better and better and more comfortable as a whole in this offense and what Matt LaFleur is asking those guys up front to do. And the most underrated aspect of them right now, Mike, is their athleticism. I mean, everybody always thinks of 310, 320-pound offensive linemen as, you know, just kind of plotters, and they just sort of hold their ground. No, they're very athletic. Billy Turner is a good athlete. Yeah. I mean, Elton Jenkins has jumped in there and just picked up right, you know, where Lane Taylor was. I mean, he's taken that torch and continued to run with it. And they've built that chemistry quickly, their fifth start together in this matchup. So, I mean, you look at how a season goes, and – there are sacks, as you said, but I've always there's a stat I have, an unofficial stat, obviously, okay. which I always refer to as Olays, which is just the bull running through the matador. I mean, or it's just they get right to the quarterback, and there's nothing that that player can do. I don't know if there's been an Olay sack this season. I mean, it's just been something where I believe that they've given Rodgers a workable pocket to operate from. Are there going to be some coverage ones here and there? Yes, there was one on Sunday, but for the most part, you know, I was just looking at the way Brian Balaga fought in this game on the right side. Yeah, the you know the Oakland Raiders don't have that type of pass rusher like Khalil Mack was in the past. That just is gonna be somebody you have to take into account every single down. You got to fear that guy. But they are very good, and they play to what they want to do. And for them to give Rodgers that, as I said, it was just that canvas to paint on in this game, mm-hmm. and Rodgers to make the most of it. I just, for my money, and it was reflective with the forty-two points and the offensive production that they had. This was their most balanced performance of the season. And it's because they used all 11 guys to get there. Yeah, and well, and in posting his first and the franchise's first maximum passer rating of 158.3, there were a couple of instances where a free runner on the blitz was bearing down on Rodgers, and he stood in there and delivered the ball. One was an incomplete pass later in the game, but the one on the drive right before halftime, the third down to Geronimo Allison, it's, 
you know, they, the phrase is stand and deliver for a reason, right? He had to stand in there and fire that ball in, and he got the completion to Allison. He took the hit and then finished off the drive with the, with the touchdown. So uh, for all of, the, all of the praise that Rodgers was spreading around to his teammates, and rightly so for this performance, he deserves plenty of praise as well. Did Rodgers talk about that play at all in the post-game news conference? I was trying to see. I, I the Allison play? Yeah. He talked about, in general, the, those two plays where he took the big shots and, had, and, and still was able to deliver, deliver the ball. He said he was joking with, uh, I believe it was Tahir Whitehead, um, from the Raiders defense saying, yeah, you know, sometimes you take those hits and then you start to feel like a real football player again. Yeah. Um, he probably doesn't feel that way on Monday morning when uh, when the soreness really starts to set in on those kind of shots. But he stood in there and and, and took them. And I, I want to give quick credit to Matt LaFleur. I tweeted this during the game too. Talk about knowing your team and knowing your quarterback. I would venture to guess that Aaron Rodgers had the win knocked out of him. He did not show it, but on that one play that passed yeah. to Allison, yeah. when I believe that was Carl Joseph just speared him, and it was a good play. It was a good football play. Yeah, it was clean. It was unabated. Clean hit. Uh, Rodgers goes down. He takes a second to get back up. I guarantee you. I don't want to guarantee, but I'm pretty sure that, that he's knocked out. he has his win knocked out there. They go and they give three straight handoffs to Aaron Jones and they move the chains with those handoffs. This is a day in which the Packers only rush for 60 yards, but in that instance, when you need to maybe give your quarterback a minute <laughs> or two to get himself back together, they were able to move the chains. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk on tomorrow's show about where things are in the NFC North and everything else that went on in Week 7. We weren't able to get to it in this show, but it was an interesting week in the NFL, and I want to get to that. But for now, we're calling it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you will. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.